Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you may be listening, and welcome to our podcast. My name's Pride, and I will be your language expert. With me is my co-host, Heather, our history expert. How are you doing, Heather? Good, thanks. What are we talking about today? Today, we're looking into the standardization of medical terms and how they've been established. We'll also take a look at terms that aren't standardized and their equivalents in other languages. Sounds great. Since you're the expert, I'll ask you. Why is it important to standardize medical terms? Well, we actually have a special guest to introduce that. This is Lisa Gunn. I'll let her introduce herself and her career. Hello, my name is Lisa Gunn. I'm a registered and certified respiratory therapist. I also have a master's degree in healthcare administration. I've been asked by Heather to discuss the benefit and necessity of standardization of medical terminology across languages. I have been an instructor of medical terminology for six years now, so I have some expertise in that area. So Lisa, do you believe that the standardization of medical terminology is important? I do believe that it is important that medical terminology be standardized across languages, of course, but also across areas that may have different dialects or accents. It is common for the pronunciation of terms to be mistaken in different languages and or different areas. The reason that we have to have the same medical terminology is for patient safety. So if patient safety is at stake here, what can we do to make sure these mistakes don't happen? It is very important that we all understand the same words, allowing us to be on the same page when it comes to discussing our patient's health care needs. If we use different terms in different areas or different countries, we run the risk of making serious medical errors. According to Johns Hopkins, over 250,000 people die each year due to medical errors. Many of those are due to communication errors. Sentinel events, which are events that can cause serious injury or death uh, to patients while they're in the hospital, the top three usually involves some sort of communication issue. So it is very important that we understand the terms and use them correctly. Since you've worked in a medical setting before, what can you do in a situation where there is miscommunication? If someone doesn't understand something in the hospital, I often ask them to write it down or repeat themselves just to be sure we have the same terms. If I see something typed on a patient's chart incorrectly, I will always question it to be sure that we understand the meaning of the doctor's order or the results of a test, etc. Thank you for speaking with us today, Lisa. Thank you. A very warm thank you to Lisa for giving us some insight. I'll hand the stage to you, Heather, to explain some of the background and history of standardizing words across languages. Okay, well, we'll start where I began. Greek and Latin languages merged around 400 AC, breaking medical language into three parts, the prefix, root, and suffix. You mean like the beginning, middle, and end of a word? Exactly, like the word pneumonultra microscopic silicovolcanoconiosis. This is a long one, but it means a lung disease caused by breathing in particles of volcanic dust. The prefix is pneumo, the root is coni, and the suffix is osis. Well, 
I'm a little lost, but maybe our listeners will understand that word. Continue on. At the time, there were very few Latin equivalents to Greek words until the Roman aristocrat Celsus wrote De Medicina. In it, he explained how he first imported several Greek terms directly into Latin. Do you have any examples? Well, one. Okay, as much as I would love to keep talking, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Spiders Are Cool, a deep and insightful look into the wonderful life of arachnids. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you to the Spider Podcast for sponsoring this episode, and feel free to check them out in the description. When we left off, we were discussing the history of the standardized medical term, but let's switch gears and look at one term that has been standardized and one that has not. And because we're naturally inspired by that which we enjoy, we'll be using Korean, German, and French for our English equivalents and comparisons. Since there are so many medical terms we could use, we'll be choosing a term from Select Health's top 25 medical terms to know. First up on our list is hypertension, meaning high blood pressure. In German, it's pronounced Blutotrach. How is that said, language expert? It's pronounced Blutotrach. Speaking of which, did you know that the prevalence of Blutotrach in Germany is 55% higher than in the U.S., according to epidemiologist Proger and Huchman? I can't say I did. I do know, however, in Korean, they call hypertension Goyolab. Goyolab. How do you say that in Korean? It's pronounced Goyolab. Compared to the U.S.'s 29%, South Korea has a prevalence rate of 22% of Goyolab. I guess we could see who has the healthiest diet of the three. Interesting. Our second term is actually an example of one that was standardized. In both French and English, the medical word for tissue that is red and swollen is inflammation. That's great to know, but I'm pretty sure inflammation is not that fun. (laughs) Anyways, we've discussed how some words are standardized and a few aren't. Is there anything important to note with that? Although some words aren't standardized, medical terminology has been crafted with the patient's best interests in mind. Without it, dangers to health and safety are at risk. So remember, be educated on what illness you're looking into, and don't be afraid to double and triple check. On that hopeful and helpful note, we'll end our podcast here. Thank you for listening and enjoying the history and discrepancies of medical term standardization. We hope your day meets the standards of a good one.